Welcome to From a Woman to a Leader, a podcast dedicated to discussing the challenges and providing tips for women in tech leadership. Hi, I'm your host, Limor Bergman-Gross, and in each episode, we'll hear from other successful women in tech, sharing their stories, insights, and advice. Join us as we empower each other to reach our full potential in the tech industry. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From a Woman to a Leader. Today, I have a pleasure to have here today with me, Jessica Jones, the CEO and Chief Creative Officer of The Code Group. And uh, we are going to talk about authentic leadership, thriving as the only woman of color in the room. Hi, Jessica. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. Before we start, if you want to introduce yourself, that will be great. Sure, sure. Hello, everyone. My name is Jessica Jones. I'm the CEO and co-founder of The Code Group. We are a small business consulting firm based in the Washington, D.C. metro area. Our focus is on communications, organizational development, and employee engagement. And we do that with coaching. We do that with courses and communication. So that's really our focus. Wonderful, wonderful. And uh, this is so much needed, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe we'll start by, uh, if you want to share a little bit about your journey in the tech industry and how you arrived at your current role as the CEO of the Code Group. Absolutely. So I would say my journey really started, I don't want to date myself too much, (laughs) but I would go back to, say, 2005. I really started working in a government consulting firm. And in doing so, I was often the most, the only non-technical person supporting technical transformations. So things like new processes, new tools. It was really recognized then that that was a change management initiative. So I was often brought in to help initiate the change for a technical transformation and doing that strategic guidance, things like communication, branding, reputation, that sort of thing. But over time, you know, I would do some work for a client and another team on site would say, oh, we really need that skill set as well. We really like her facilitation approach, or we really like your strategic plan that you created. And they said, hey, would you be willing to do the same for us? So I thought, you know, if they want me, then they should hire me. (laughs) (laughs) So I actually, my business partner, Chris Edmonds, he and I oftentimes would be the only non-technical people on site. And we thought it was just a natural progression to say, hey, let's go out on our own and they can hire us directly. So we did that. And we've been really lucky to actually work with some amazing clients along the way. That's wonderful. Uh, And, uh, you know, it's great to hear that. It's very inspiring to hear that you found kind of what you are really meant to to be, right? What are you meant to do? Yeah. And just go ahead and do it. Absolutely. <laughs> Sounds trivial, but it's not. No, it's not. I I feel like I just really leaned into stuff that was actually natural for me. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So we'll talk about authentic leadership and uh, what what does it even mean? Sure, sure. So for me, I think being authentic is really truly being yourself. I would start with, you know, what we were just talking about, like 
leaning in on who you are. I think even at a very, very early age, I want to say elementary school, I kind of recognized that I was more of a leader than a follower. My parents recognized that in me. They encouraged that in me. I can remember my dad saying, it doesn't matter that you're a girl. You can own it. Be the leader. Take charge. And even with teachers, they actually encouraged that in me. One thing that I guess sort of was a natural progression in my career is very early on, my favorite teacher in high school, Hope Perry, shout out to Hope. She's amazing. She actually noticed those leadership skills in me and my actual, I would say my unique ability for visual design and content creation. And she thought I should be the editor in chief of my yearbook staff. So she appointed me and that actually gave me the opportunity to learn to delegate, to learn to manage conflicts. <laughs> it helped me to learn those actual content creation and actually seeing and being autonomous and seeing a project from start to finish. So for me, that has always been kind of leaning into who I am as an authentic person. And now I would say kind of for me, being authentic often means really owning your own values, your own approach, letting your voice being heard. Even if you feel like you're the only person in the room, and oftentimes I'm the only woman, I'm the only person of color, but I don't, it was intimidating early on, I'll be honest. Yeah. But now I really try to stand by my opinion. I, if other people are speaking over me, you know, I try to take a pause and say, okay, what I was trying to say, and I feel like as women, we often have to do that and we have to advocate for other women to do that as well. But the last thing I'll say about being an authentic leader is for my current client, I have the pleasure of traveling around the world and doing training. So I get to interact with people of different cultures, different backgrounds. And if I'm not truly who I am and being authentic in myself, then it's not believable. And I can't really resonate with people or they don't resonate with me. Um, so I really try to just be who I am every day and kind of bring what I do to the table so people feel seen and heard. Absolutely. And uh, and you mentioned like uh, having your authentic voice, right? Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, appreciating it. Because a lot of times, I mean, one of the challenges that I see with women, like we feel different, but we don't value that it is actually a good thing. Absolutely. And I think that is something that may even be something that we've been conditioned to over time to not feel that we were, you know, valued or we had a voice. But I think more and more, just owning that and really owning that your perspective is different as a woman, but saying, hey, I have something to add and bring to the table. Yeah, absolutely. So you talked about being the only woman in the room and the only person of color in the room. Can, can you share maybe a, a little bit about some challenges that you had and how you overcome them? Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, I've worked for years supporting government clients, oftentimes law enforcement entities or government security. And that's just typically a male-dominated industry. So I've been the only, typically the youngest person in the room, the only woman, and the only person of color. But really what I try to do is just be honest and really say, hey, I have something to add. If you wanted me in the room, then I'm here for a reason. So sometimes it is challenging, and I've had those experiences where you know, I've been gaslighted, I've been spoken over, you know, shushed, and really trying to own that. And then 
being authentic after the fact and saying to hopefully the leader in the room, hey, you know, you had me there, but I didn't feel like my voice was being heard. I did have something to say. Going forward, can I say something? So really, really being honest about it, even if it is challenging in the moment, but also in that moment, kind of owning it and really being confident in the room, owning that space, not cowering, you know, not feeling like my opinion didn't matter and really just kind of jumping in, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes total sense. How do you do that without being seen as aggressive? One of the, you know, one of my previous mm-hmm. guests, we talked about that. So how do you, how do you kind of be assertive and, and kind of own your place and say, my voice matter, I want to say what I have to say without yeah. being perceived as aggressive? I think that's so difficult. That is a great question because I find that for women, And especially, I mean, I can only speak as a woman of color, but I feel we're often labeled as being angry. We're often seen as being dramatic or emotional. And to be honest, I've heard that. And I really take that to heart. And I'm actually very offended when people say that. Just because I want to voice my opinion doesn't mean that it should be seen any differently because I'm a woman. But the way that I've tried to do that is to actually be non-emotional in those moments and to say, just really speak up. It sounds, it's easier said than done, but to say, you know, I felt like interrupted me a second ago. Can I finish what I was saying? It's really just having the confidence to speak up for yourself and really own that you have something important to say. Absolutely. Yeah. And how do you kind of insert yourself into a conversation when in situations where it's really difficult, right? I mean, people are talking over each other and it's very, I find it very difficult to kind of insert myself in situations where people don't give the space to anyone else to talk. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. And yes, totally been there. You know, actually years ago, I became a certified facilitator and I learned the, I would say the skill of a pause and actually your body language and how you own it. I know that is putting the onus on you as an individual to do things differently, but I've learned that in those moments, if someone's speaking over me to actually pause, to kind of calm myself enough, because I do am a person who can get easily offended. I don't like conflict. I don't want to be in those situations because I just think it's uncomfortable, especially when you're the only one, because you're going to be labeled. But I really try to pause and say, okay, can I finish what I was saying? And if it doesn't allow in the room, then I will, like I said, try to approach it in a different way by maybe sending an email afterwards or talking to someone on the side and saying, hey, I really had something I wanted to add in, but I didn't feel my voice was heard. Yeah, I know it's difficult. And I uh, usually try to face it also behind the scenes, kind of not to confront people head to head in a meeting. I agree because I don't want to make it more awkward. um, And I don't actually want to give them that attention, if that makes sense. Because if if they don't respect me enough to let me finish what I'm saying, I'm not going to argue with you in a meeting. But I want to approach it on the side. And oftentimes, I mean, like I said, I don't like conflict, but if it's necessary, I will lean in and say, hey, can I talk to you about what happened during the meeting? And that tends to work very well for me, because, again, that's just being authentic and saying, you know, it really bothered me when you spoke over me in a meeting. 
in the future, you know, can you recognize that I'm trying to share my opinion? And I think just being honest and open with someone and not putting them on the spot as well really can kind of lean towards having a more positive interaction. Yeah, absolutely. As much as possible, being positive and taking it as a way to collaborate instead of combat with someone is better. If it's possible. If it's possible. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What other challenges have you faced? I mean, we talked about, you know, not being heard in meetings and, and being overridden. What other challenges have you faced or you think women of color face in, especially in tech or in male dominant environments? Sure. So I will say my small business, woman owned, minority owned, we actually face a lot of challenges just getting opportunities. And when I say opportunities, it's, you know, it's a wide breadth of people doing this type of work out there. I get that. But when my skill set is recognized, when my reputation is strong, when people know what you bring to the table and they still don't want to give you an opportunity, you have to question like, what's going on here? You wanted me when I worked for this firm, but now you don't want to pay me because you may think, oh, she's making too much money. But for me, the difference is it's not recognized that I have a firm. I have people that I need to pay. I have employees. I have to pay benefits. And oftentimes I think people really kind of look at it as an individual. And I find that really difficult. And that's as a woman, I would say specifically, people are, oh, well, she makes a lot of money doing what she does, but there's no real consideration for all of the things that go into being a business owner and an entrepreneur. So that's been a learning, I would say, opportunity for me to kind of use those opportunities to kind of um, help other people see how they may be discriminating, how they may be creating a challenging situation. And for me specifically, if I can create opportunities for other women, for other people of color, I want to do that because I don't want them to have to go through what I went through. Absolutely. And can you share a little bit about that, about how do you empower women of color and support them? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think the most I would say the the most the best privilege that I have of being a business owner is actually bringing in other women because I value kind of what we bring to the table. We have a different perspective. We have unique lens. The way we see the world is completely different. So in those male dominant client environments, I want to bring in more women, more people of color so we can have those diverse thoughts and opinions. But what I try to do is mentor actually have the sweetest mentee in the world. She's so cute. She really wanted to get into communications. And, you know, she approached me and she said, how did you do this? And I just gave her my experience. But I try to encourage other women, other women of color, especially in a younger generation, to be bold, to take those risks, and to put yourself out there because we only really get one shot. And if you fail, you just try again. It's okay. It's okay to actually have things not go the way you were hoping it would, but to be resilient and actually try again. Absolutely. I think that uh, one of the things I've seen, I just had a client today, a, yeah. a, a, you know, a black woman. And um, is it okay that they say a black woman? Yeah. I, I yes, never yes. know if it's... No, if I prefer. Yeah. 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 And and uh, she's really disappointed in the environment she's at, that she's not supportive. And we talked about taking an initiatives and taking control, basically taking control 
discuss figuring out what you want, setting expectations with your manager, asking mm-hmm. for feed. She said, he never helps me. He never gives me. F- so asking yeah. for feedback, asking for growth opportunities, sharing what you're interested at, kind of, you know, being more in control in your, in your career. Yeah. I, I think that has always really worked well for me is being assertive and autonomy is something that I highly value. I want the ability to kind of create my own path, to think outside the box and to bring those things to the table. So I really value that. It's something that I really strive to do in my career. What I would say to her or anyone else that's kind of dealing with that, find an opportunity or a challenge and really kind of think through what the solution would be. That has worked so well for me. If I go to my client and I say, hey, I've noticed this problem, this you know opportunity, but here's what I think we could do. So not just presenting the problem, but presenting the solution as well has worked so well for me because oftentimes people say, oh, I didn't even realize we could do that. Yes, please run with it. So I would say that is a way to kind of take control of your career. Uh, And it typically works. I think people really want those innovative solutions. Yeah, absolutely. And managers like that um, someone that works for them comes with a solution or proposals rather than just uh, presenting problems. I, as a manager, as a business owner, that is something that I value in my team members. If I need you to present the problem and present the solution as well, because if you just bring me a problem, you're just adding to my plate. So I try to do that for people that I support. I want people to do that who support me. And really, it offers the opportunity to bring your unique perspective, your unique approach to it. Because no one else is going to think like you. And it really does kind of give you the ability to kind of think and do outside the box, which is really fun. Because, you know, if we continue to do things the same way with the same approach, it's always going to be the same. It's never going to change. Yeah. And you mentioned a very important thing, your unique perspective. And uh, I think this is something that women uh, don't, don't appreciate. Yeah. You know? We're yeah. different, but it's actually a good thing. It absolutely is. And that's why oftentimes my company, we do a lot of diversity and inclusion training, DIA, equity, inclusion, accessibility. And we talk a lot about a culture of belonging. So we want people to know that we kind of describe the difference between diversity and inclusion is being invited to the dance is diversity. So you have a lot of different people there. But being asked to dance is inclusion. You're a part of it. You're not just standing on the wall. You're being included in that. And if you feel like you can do that as your authentic self, you really feel like you belong. So really having diverse thought in any demographic, in anything that makes someone different, I think really brings unique perspectives to the table to create something that wouldn't do just on our own, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And you raise a very, very important point, the sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. And actually, you know, we don't always feel like we belong. And I know personally, I, you know, at times didn't feel I belong because I was different, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, as I talked about earlier, being the youngest person in the room, being the only woman in the room, being the only non-technical person in the room. Oftentimes I didn't feel like I belong. Uh, But kind of just thinking about my perspective is unique. I have something to bring to the table. 
and I can give them something that they haven't actually thought about. They're going to approach it from this way, but I'm thinking from a different perspective. So really just being confident in what you bring to the table and saying, my opinion matters. Um, it actually helps people feel seen and heard. So they do feel like they belong. Absolutely. And uh, how, in, in your trainings, how do you help organizations or teams kind of build that sense of belonging? That let's say you're a woman of color, you're the only woman and the only woman of color in a team. How can the team create a sense of belonging? Absolutely. That's a great question. We recently worked with a client that they really recognized they had a diversity issue. And what they were saying was it wasn't just people of color. They recognized that they were a woman-owned business, but they were only, and I love this phrase, hiring in their cul-de-sac. They would, it was like a referral process. I know her. I know she's in the same field. Let's refer her. But they all started to look alike. And by look alike, I mean same demographic, around the same age, white females, same background, some same college, same experience, but you're not going to get that unique, diverse thought. So what we did for them, we actually did a cultural assessment. We went in, we did interviews, we did focus groups, we did surveys. We actually even talked to people who had left, which actually included women of color. And we really wanted to get their unique perspective to know if they felt like they belong. Luckily, and I think this is an attribute to that actual company, they those women did feel like they belonged, but we found that the males didn't. So I think any situation where someone is the only or they're one of few, you're going to feel like there's some challenges there. So I would say the way we kind of identify those things through our cultural assessment, we then make findings and recommendations. And typically it's things like hiring practices, creating employee resource groups, how we are recruiting, how we actually do interview processes, because oftentimes things like, are they a great fit? What does that mean? What does that look like? So really challenging yourself to think about what you're doing day in and day out, what it's innate can make a big difference for a company or an organization. And training, obviously. I think when people kind of recognize that we all have bias, no matter what, Every single person on the planet has some level of bias. But if we can recognize that in ourselves, we can do things differently. Yeah, I think awareness is a big uh, part of it, right? Just being aware. Absolutely. And we have the pleasure of doing diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility training for a lot of clients. It's really something that we value because we want people to feel that it's a non-judgmental situation. We don't want people to feel like they're being attacked. I know sometimes that has kind of led to some discomfort because people feel like, oh, I'm going to be attacked for things that happened in the past. But that's really not the approach is to just recognize what you're bringing to the table and being your authentic self so you can allow someone else to be theirs. Yeah, uh, and this is the important one, allowing someone else to be theirs, to be their authentic self. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? Let's say you have a team, and again, going back to that woman, she's not just the only woman of color, but she's very different mentality-wise. She cares about different things. It's very hard for her to connect, yeah. even on like on a personal level. So how how can they help her so she can still be her authentic self, but but feel like she belongs? Absolutely. So I would say things like employee resource groups, finding your fit. 
And I don't like the word fit because I think I'm the type of person that I feel like I can find something to connect with just about anyone on. But I do recognize in those environments where you feel like you aren't valued, where you feel like you aren't heard, that puts a lot of onus on that individual to do something different. But I would say for me, what I've done is to just find those relatable things. And I really like to have a one-on-one conversation. It's kind of my thing because I feel like if you talk to anyone, you can find those commonalities. So I would think for someone in that type of situation to really just kind of own it and say, can I talk to you about this? You know, I feel like I'm kind of the only, I feel really uncomfortable. Again, I hate putting the onus on the person who feels like they're in a bias situation, but sometimes we have to help people recognize what's going on from our perspective, just because they don't recognize it. Everybody sees things through their own lens. And I would say, this is just my personal approach. If it's not a great fit for her personally, then maybe it's not the right location for her. Maybe, you know, think about going somewhere else where you do feel like you're more valued and you feel more comfortable. Yeah. Sometimes you're right. Sometimes we have to realize that maybe that's not a fit for us, right? Talk about fit. Maybe that's not a fit for us. Yeah, absolutely. And that's okay because it was a learning Mm -hmm. experience. She got some unique, you know, lessons learned and she would, she could do things differently. She kind of knows where she might want to look to join. She can do some, you know, interesting background on different companies to work for. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And what kind of tips would would you give to, you know, to a black woman that no matter where she goes, she'll be probably, you know, one of few, because we know that there are very few women of color in executive roles. I mean, I think according to the women in the workplace, the the recent one uh, by McKinsey and Lean In Org, there's like Mm -hmm. six or 7%. Yeah. Black women in the C-suite. Yeah. But what what can still those Black women do in order to get to those roles? Do you have any tips? Absolutely. So I would say find a mentor and actually find someone that you feel comfortable with. So for me, I'm also a coach. I think hiring a coach that can help you figure out your approach is a great way Having a mentor is completely different than a coach because they're actually going to give you advice. Yeah. Having someone who's sponsoring you, so someone who's speaking on your behalf and you're not in the room, has been something that was phenomenal in my career. And I've been really lucky. I know not everybody has that opportunity, but I think once people get to know you, when they know what you bring to the table, they're more willing to sponsor you, even if you're not in the room. Um, Additionally, I would say network. Networking is huge. And I think we kind of, especially with COVID, we've gotten away from that and we kind of take that for granted. But I think if you can talk to someone, if you can make that connection, it really helps them to see. And I would say reach back. If you're a woman in that position, if you're in the C-suite, bring other women and other women of color along because they need to be groomed. They need to actually see this is possible. If you don't see yourself, you never really feel like that's something that's possible. So helping them to actually gain that skill set, to know what it's like to be a leader, to give them the opportunities to take on a leadership role, I think is huge. So I think kind of it's twofold. If you have the opportunity to reach back and help others, But if you're looking to climb, find someone else that actually can help support you in your aspirations. 
Yeah, those are wonderful tips. And yeah, that's why why we are here for, right? I mean, to help you, to support you. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, any tips on finding sponsors? Because this is always like a tricky question that I'm being asked. That is such a tough thing because I will own it. I have even struggled with that. What has worked for me, again, kind of going back to how I started my consulting firm, people recognize what I brought to the table. I was authentically myself. I owned it. I really was confident in what I brought to the table. And in knowing that people recognize that you know your value, you know your worth. So I was really lucky and or blessed, however you want to see it, to have a woman who recognized that in me and said, hey, I'm going to start something new. I need you to come with me. And oftentimes it was, oh, well, she's doing that or, you know, Maybe she doesn't have the skill set. And she said, absolutely, she does. I know she does. I know I've worked with her. I know she brings us to the table. So I think building that connection and that rapport with someone that you know and you trust can help with the sponsorship. And again, you know, finding a mentor, they can often act as a sponsor for you when they're not actually giving you that advice. Because I know for my mentee, I'm always looking for opportunities to kind of toss to her or give her opportunities to kind of take on new roles and to lead. So I think it's sort of a natural progression from a mentor relationship as well. Yeah, great. And my tip would be building relationships. Like like you said about networking, it's all about building relationship constantly and bringing value. And when Absolutely. you build relationships inside your company and you bring value, Absolutely. those people will support you. Absolutely. 100%. And I do think it is a little more difficult for women, especially if we're looking for a female sponsor, maybe think outside the box. It might not always be another woman or another person of color. It could be a man. They could really, you know, kind of build that relationship with you and recognize your value and sponsor you as well. Actually, yes. and. Based on my experience, actually, men were much more effective sponsors because they held the power positions and they could help me more. Absolutely. I've had really great experiences with a lot of male leaders. Yeah, they recognized it and saw it as a different skill set that they didn't have. So they really kind of would fight for and their voices are often heard over someone else or over a woman or a person of color. So it's it's. It's great if you can find a sponsor in any form that would speak up on your behalf. Great. Yeah. Well, I can't believe, I mean, it's been a, such a wonderful conversation. We are about to end. But before we do, yeah. uh, I wanted to ask you kind of to share a little bit about the work that you do. Who, who can you help? How can people reach out with you? Oh, Please. thank you. Yeah, I would love to. So again, my consulting firm, we do communications. So think anything from internal communications to external marketing, branding, brand strategies. We want really to help clients actually learn to communicate better to reach their target audiences. Then we approach it from an organizational development perspective. How are you structured? What trainings do you need? How do you actually help people in professional development, in leadership development? We actually create courses for clients. We have online courses, we in-person training where we want to help organizations really help their employees. And then we want people to feel engaged. Like something that I said early on, I love what I do 
every day. I, I can't even say it. It feels really cheesy to say, but I really love my job. I love what I do. And I want other people to feel that. So I want people to feel engaged and that they are part of the culture. So we do that, like I said, through diversity and inclusion training. We do things like strategic planning, facilitation. We do coaching. Like I said, we do a lot of training, everything from DEIA to professional development on things like how to have a difficult conversation, how to be autonomous and be seen as a valued employee. We just launched a 36-course learning platform for one client that was not an, uh, off the, the rack learning platform. It was something we actually created from beginning to end. And I'm so proud of it. I think it's amazing. Um, we're looking forward to rolling that out across our company for other clients. Um, but additionally, I would say the last thing we do is coaching. We really want to have that one-on-one relationship. We're helping leaders. We're helping other individuals within those client sites figure out how they can do things differently, how they can be better, how they show up every day, and how they engage. So that's just a little bit about us. I would love to connect with anyone who's interested in learning more about us. Our email is thecodegroup.org, and our email is info at thecodegroup.org. You please reach out to me personally. It's just Jessica at thecodegroup.org. I would love to hear from you, even if it's we do free consultations where we can chat about what your problem is and what we call designing the code that will help you for your success. So we know that's a really individualized approach that we want to take for each client. So I would love to work with others. Perfect. And I'll put everything, all the information on the show notes. So thank you so much, Jessica, for being here today. It's been thank wonderful. You. Thank you. It was a pleasure. It was awesome to chat with you. And thank you for what you're doing to help women kind of move towards that leadership role, because we always, we have that in us. We just need to lean into it. So thank you for your work as well. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Yeah. Have a great day. You too. Thank you for listening to another episode of From a Woman to a Leader. This is your host, Limor Bergman-Gross, and I want to encourage you to reach out to me on LinkedIn, Limor Bergman, and let me know. What do you think about the episodes? Feel free also to comment on Apple Podcasts and tell me what do you want me to talk about? Which guests do you want me to bring? I really appreciate that and have a wonderful day.